most of our lesson will be given over to each of us trying to answer a questionnaire um, with respect to um, finding our giftedness in service. And so this week, again, if you, we can go back, let's say two or three weeks, we talked about uh, loving other people and a demonstration of loving other people is encouragement, is now service, and then we'll get into meeting needs um, in the coming weeks. But this week, the hope and the goal of our lesson and discussion is to discover how we have been uniquely gifted to serve others. So last time it was how we have been uniquely gifted to encourage. Tonight it's how we've been uniquely gifted to serve others. And this certainly is not going to be an exhaustive uh, questionnaire, but I hope that it will be something that gets all of us thinking. But to set the, the table, what I thought would be helpful to do, even though you know all of this, and I'm not trying to insult your biblical intelligence, um, but I think it would be good just to read some text of Scripture to make sure that um, our motivation is obedience to our Savior and our King rather than just uh, sheer and, and utter duty. Um, <clears throat> duty is good and has its place, but we need to be mindful uh, of what God has said about it in His Word. So I'd like to read um, a couple lengthy texts <clears throat> and uh, a couple shorter, but I'd like to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read the second half of the chapter. So if you have your Bible on your phone or in hard copy, let's just, you can all just kind of follow along together. I don't anticipate, although it might happen, but I don't anticipate lengthy commentary on them because I think they speak for themselves. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. <clears throat> And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, before I read verse 27, God's goal through Paul was not to give you an anatomy and physiology lesson. 
right? There's a point to Paul's illustration, and here it begins. Verse 27, now you, Corinthian believers of all churches to say this to, are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. The point of the passage, particularly for our purpose, is not which gift is better, which gift isn't, our tongues still going on today. For our purposes, who cares? The point is, is that Paul makes an analogy to the human body, and what is undeniably clear is that every part is essential. Whether you are a toenail, whether you are a blood cell, whether you are a freckle, whether you are whatever, you have a function, you have a purpose, you have a role. So in every one of us that is part of the body of Christ has to participate. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And I want you to key in on the last verse, verse 10. But we're going to start at verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And that's a bleak picture, right? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the age, in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork we are his masterpiece created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared in advance for us to do so god's purpose in his saving us is truly spectacular to think that he took people who were rebellious objects of his wrath haters of him and he adopted us he gave us new life he made us part of his family but it wasn't just to make that transfer to make go from enemy to family he's also prepared you to he's he's enabled you through regeneration through the making alive act to do stuff to serve to do good works and then if you go just two chapters later ephesians 4 Paul now begins to expand on the doctrine that the doctrinal ground that he was laying in chapters uh, one, two, and three. 
And in chapter 4, in verse 1, he says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So, represent God well. Well, what does that look like? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So, he's not saying he's given you more of Christ, right? Um, or less of Christ, or more of the Holy Spirit, or less of the Holy Spirit, but he's given you a, a measure of grace with respect to what he's going to eventually say. Then verse 8, this is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the, the whole universe. Pretend like that doesn't exist right now because that's confusing. And now go to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Why? Why did he gift different people in different ways? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, in chapter 2, Paul is saying that we have been made, taken from foreigner, enemy, made family, given ability to please God, to do good works. We are now his masterpiece. And then he goes on to say, you're a masterpiece along with a bunch of other masterpieces. And you are to serve and you are equipped, you are gifted, and each one has different gifts and capabilities. And so... He gives some people special gifts to equip the rest of the people. But notice in verse 12, he says to equip his people for works of service. So it's not just as we often hear, uh, 10% of the people doing 90% of the work. It's not just paid staff doing all the work and we're attenders or pew dwellers. It is everyone serving. Because Pastor Ken's job in... Uh, Larry's job and, and whoever else is on staff, their job is to equip us to work. Last text, 1 Peter 4. First <clears throat> Peter 4, beginning in verse 10. In just two verses here, this, this, these verses help us understand kind of categories of Gifts, <clears throat> they're speaking and serving gifts. You could, one way to categorize them. It says, verse 10, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So let's not, <clears throat> in our haste to try to figure out what we might be good at or ways that we could serve the church, let's not forget the, the biblical weight 
that should, should be motivating us to go and serve. And for those of us who might feel um, tired in serving because maybe you just feel run ragged or like you're involved in everything, um, may these be may these motivations be kind of a, a roundabout way of encouraging you to say, hey, not like, hey, look at me, pat myself on the back, but this is what God's called me to do. And you might be tired and you might be, but let this be fuel to your tank. So I think that's the, the biblical mandate or rationale for serving. But how do we figure out what you're, what to do? So how do we figure out maybe what our gifting is or, or what we could, what to do? Um, Rick Warren, he's the author of The Purpose Driven Life. Somewhere along the line, he produced a list, and in, in, uh, in I think it's an acronym or whatever. The, it's uh, based on SHAPE. S stands for spiritual gifts. H stands for heart. A stands for abilities. P stands for personality. And then E stands for experiences. So Rick Warren has SHAPE. S for spiritual gifts, H for heart or your passion, <clears throat> A abilities, P personalities, or <laughs> hopefully you only have one, personality, and then E experiences. So that's one way to skin the cat. Your book, um, skins it a slightly different way. It talks about talents and uh, skills, abilities. It talks about passions and desires. It talks about experiences uh, or your experience. So it kind of uh, uh, does a slightly different way. Here's the way, for whatever it's worth, I'm not suggesting that mine is right, but here's the way I've always thought about it. What would you like to do? What do you have the ability to do? What do you have the opportunity to do? And then I think about, are you affirmed in what you're doing? Like by the church? I mean, because if you stink at something, hopefully the church is going to eventually kind of like take you out of that role. Um, And if you're good at something, hopefully you'll be getting encouragement and being given more opportunities. So either way I think about it is desire, ability, opportunity, and affirmation. Desire, Ability, opportunity, and affirmation. I like mine better than Rick Warren's, although who can argue any? So yours again, both. Desire, ability, opportunity, and affirmation. I know. Yeah. Deoa. <laughs> what, what was the passage in First Peter? Uh, Four ten through eleven. So what I have should be around halfway down your sheet. <clears throat> what I would love to do, <clears throat> and, and I'm. I'm not sure that there's probably sufficient time to do this, 
But what I'd love to do is I'll pause this <clears throat> just for Pete's sake so he doesn't have to add it as much. And each of you just take some time to kind of walk through, <clears throat> answer these questions, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss. You don't have to feel if you don't feel comfortable sharing some things like, okay, I'm not going to put the heat on you to share. But let's walk through these things, try to answer them yourselves, and then maybe we can help learn a little bit about each other. Maybe once we gain some of this information, maybe we could figure out a way to encourage each other to utilize two weeks ago how we could help each other serve in some of these capacities. So take some time to walk through these, and then in a little bit we'll discuss them. All right. Anyone willing to share number one? I will. Um, I'm a licensed manicurist, so I always had this dream of going around to nursing homes and AFC homes and doing their nails, you know, for the seniors and the disabled, you know, that can't get out, you know, like the um, manicures on the go or whatever, and minister to them and, you know, share with them. Kind of have a captive audience for 20 minutes, right, when you're sitting there <laughs> doing your nails? <laughs> church because of the environment we're in with so many uh, being attached to the seminary but I, I did it a few times early on in life but I, I would like to teach an adult Sunday school class so I've, I've done it before I said I, I, I enjoyed doing it it really made me focus on uh, you know, Bible study more than, than I do anyway, but just uh, it's something I like to do. I don't know if I'm tremendously gifted to do it, but it's something I would that I would like to do. Well, I was much more carnal than the rest of you because what would you want to do for the rest of your life? I put golf, and I should have a, add a caveat have a membership at a country club or prestigious golf club that like TPC of Michigan. Well, then it said in your ministry, in your church. So it said rest of your life. So I said, if money is no object, I would like to golf a lot. And then spend time with my family and friends. And then I put pastoral type ministry of some sort. So... Should we just go like do a circle so we all have to share? No, Betty. All right. Number two, are there any ministries you have always wanted to pursue yet have not had the courage or opportunity to do so? So now we're getting into a little bit of uh, got to be a little vulnerable here because you might lack courage. Okay. 
the same answer as the first one. Mine is counseling. I've always wanted to pursue it. I haven't had the time. Like, when am I going to get any type of, like, I mean, yes, I have a master's, but, like, not in counseling. When, how do you go, I mean, who has the time and money at this stage of life for me to go find... Go get the education. If any of you like to donate to that cause, <laughs> since this is obviously all about me, um, you already got me once. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you have a burning desire to serve in a certain ministry, believing it, believing it is the most important place God would have you. Okay, let to me since you guys are all being quiet. So what if of all the things that you already participate in then, for those of you that are being a little obstinate and stubborn here, what it what would be the one that would sting the most if it was removed from you? That's another way to get it. What's what is the area of service that you're most passionate about? So, like, Pete, if I took you out of the sound booth, would that really sting? Or would that be, not that I have the authority to do that, I'm just... But, like, if you never got to do that again, would that just be, like... Or maybe not. Oh, don't get me wrong, I enjoy it, but I, at the same time, it would be nice to have a backup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I love the other questions. There's three of three areas that I take an interest in but don't really get to exercise a lot. And that's apologetics, polemics, and evangelism. I'm interested in that and I like to argue it, but you don't get the opportunity because it's verboten at work. And that's where I spend almost all of my time. So do you think you could teach a class here on it? Like on a Wednesday night or something? Because I've never had that, never done it. Because we need that. I mean, I feel like my generation grew up with a lot of Bible facts, a lot of theology knowledge, but we didn't grow up able to defend our our worldview very well. And now I feel like there's been a positive emphasis, you know, especially like guys like Larry, who mm-hmm. I have gone through and said, okay, well. These kids, especially our kids at CBC, they need to know how to defend their faith. Yeah. And I think that excites me for Caden and Hadley, that they could come through here for here forever. And by God's grace, they'd be indoctrinated, not only with a good godly worldview, but the ability to defend it. So if you could have a ministry at our church to teach all of us how to defend our faith, that would be really helpful. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I think that's very much needed. Yeah, so. it was something I took an interest in, you know, when I 
moved back here several years ago and did a lot of reading on it. Just different arguments, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And it, it, it's a, it's one of those things that there's so many different arguments. It's okay. Where should you focus? Well, if you got the privilege of teaching an entire class, you can focus on a lot of them. Um, what about number four? Do you have a desire to reach a particular group of people? We got yours, Edwina. Old, unchurched old people. Yeah, unchurched. For me, mine has always been, no offense to the outsiders, the unbelievers, but I've always had a desire to help the insiders, like help the people that are already believers within the assembly understand their Bibles better, how to live biblically, um, help them mature. Anyone for number five? That's kind of you. They, they listed two of them right there for me. I mean, both, uh, politics, politics and abortion are two that I'm very, very in tune with. What about number six? Betty, you're awfully quiet, so you got to say something here. Kids, come on, right? You were attracted to at least to the two cutest in the church, right? <laughs> but I so, love that. But that's something I'm already doing. So. Well, no, but that, but that's yeah. But I'm already teaching, and teaching's half my answers here. So you're allowed to say something that you're already doing. That's we're not trying to like necessarily discover something new. Maybe this just helps confirm that you're in the right spot. But that doesn't mean if I did do something else, I wouldn't like it. I'm just not. All right, what's special? We had, we had small groups that I see. I wouldn't mind being the leader of a small group if we did that. I don't I think, think that's ever going to happen. I don't think it will ever happen either. But <laughs> if we ever did, I think we're big enough where they would have to start using, besides just uh, deacons or seminary people, or, you know, yeah. uh, we'd have to break it down to. Other other people in the church to lead, you know, lead yeah. small groups. I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind doing that if we if we ever did that. All right, second Probably section. My Abilities. With mine, I have an attraction toward younger children in, in a church setting. But when you've done that every day of your life for forty years. And then to come back and do it on the weekends, it's like, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> but I really would enjoy, and this sounds really dumb, but organizing things. VBS needs materials, and those materials should be organized. And even the kitchen has got to be organized. It's got to be clean. There's a lady named Jenny Jones. 
who you obviously need to talk to. Because <laughs> she's the one that uh, does BBS, right? Yes, in fact, she's trying to get leaders for different positions to kind of do things differently now. And I bet she would love to have someone who maybe that would maybe that would uh, save a lot of the hours that she's put in. You do the legwork of those kinds of administrative type things and then she can kind of be the face of it and the, the ringleader, I bet. You need to talk to her. And that's not the only place that, this isn't the only place that that's needed, trust me. And we, we need it in our own water program at Inner City. We need someone that would have that ability to help, help uh, our pastoral staff guy to keep it organized and keep it functioning. He's got so much on his plate that he struggles. If someone had that talent, that desire like you have to do that at our place, it's a ministry that it's it's one of those behind-the-scenes things that nobody would ever see or know that you did it. But when BBS runs nice and smooth, it's the organization that kept it running smooth. And well, who did that? Sally. <laughs> so, uh, number one of the second section, what special abilities and talents do you think God may have equipped you with? Skip number two because I think that's kind of hard uh, for this type of context. Um, three and, uh, and four, they're kind of things that we've already touched on. Um, experience. What are some specific ministry experiences that you have had uh, and which have you enjoyed the most? So which of the ministries that you've been part of do you feel, I hate using the word success, but which do you think that you, they put it here, the best overall effect, where maybe it was most enjoyable to you, but you also, so it wasn't just, it wasn't solely just enjoyable to you, but where you actually felt like you were most benefiting others. like the uh, Living Last Supper and when we do VBS, you know, trying to help put the technical side of that together so, you know, so there's no, so it's seamless, you know, so it, 
I'm in the background. I'm not out front, but it goes off well, you know. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy that, just seeing that when it goes off well. I think I enjoyed my most, my two years of pastoral ministry in Milwaukee. But I think I probably got the most positive feedback and probably had the most positive results when I led junior high youth group at Inner City. They had, oftentimes I had parents coming and saying, like obviously I have no idea, I mean, so a seventh grader, to what extent can you actually gauge whether or not they're <laughs> gaining anything from you or not? But it seemed like the parents were appreciative. Um, so that was always encouraging. So these are just questions that prompt ideas like Sally, Jenny Jones, you got to talk to her. But that these questions really only cover from my gifting thing desire and ability where did the opportunity and affirmation come from the opportunity so so we can help we can self assess and try to figure out okay so where where what do i want to do and what do i think i'm okay at but there has to be that opportunity somewhere within the church for you to utilize that gift um and so I think, and that's part of where our pastors have to come in and help us see those opportunities. And then, and over time, hopefully, Lord willing, if people are honest, and we have a cut, and you are humble, and I'm humble, we can learn, oh, maybe I don't have to give the teaching that I thought I had, or maybe I'm not as musically inclined as I thought I was, or hey, maybe I'm not as good with kids because they always scream in my face or <laughs> right um, so I think those last two are important opportunity and I think really the affirmation is, is one of the biggest because I think too often churches are just so desperate to get help they'll throw anybody anywhere and and ideally if every member is serving everything is covered we have extra and and then we can not be picky and choosy for the sake of just being picky and choosy, but to really help identify, hey, this is where you're really good at. Why don't you go just unleash yourself on this ministry and own it? So anyway, that's all I have.